Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. This is another great documentary. Um, obviously, we just had one with Command and Control with uh, Robert Kenner. And now, we're very, very fortunate to have with us two people that are involved in this uh, incredible documentary. If you want to know what's wrong with our criminal justice system uh, and how we might be able to sort of start to make some reforms, this is a great place to start. The film is called Southwest of Salem, the story of the San Antonio Four. And we are joined today by the director, and that would be Deborah Esquinazi, and as well as one of the subjects of the film, that would be Anna Vasquez. Anna and Deborah, are you there? Yes. Oh, yes. fantastic. Yes, uh, all right. Well, let me read a little bit of the introduction to this, uh, to your story. Uh, the, this is an award-winning, acclaimed film, the South by Southwest of Salem, the story of the San Antonio Four Chronicles, the nightmarish per- persecution of Elizabeth Ramirez, Cassandra Rivera, uh, Christie. Mayhew, am I? Is that correct? Yes. And yes, Anna Vasquez, uh, four Latino lesbians, wrongly convicted of gang raping two little girls in San Antonio, in Texas over twenty years ago. It's, it's part of this. It's, there's a whole bunch of stuff, and I want to get right into talking to our our guests here about this. Deborah, I'm going to start with you um, in terms of uh, Southwest of Salem. How did you hear about the the story or the situation, and and then moving forward in in terms of uh, making a documentary about it? Sure. So my um, mentor from New York, when I started off as a journalist, um, sent me the trial transcripts and suggested that I take a look at it. Um, It was a cold case, a languishing case. And just around the time that she contacted me, the Innocence Project of Texas decided to take it on. And she suggested I take a look at the particularly the transcripts from the alleged ringleader in this in this in the alleged crime. And this individual, Elizabeth Ramirez, received 37 and a half year sentence. So obviously the first thing I did is I looked through the trial transcripts and what I discovered upon reading them was an extraordinary amount of systemic homophobia, misogyny, um, and just a basic disregard for the rights of this woman. And later to find out that her three friends were indicted for a similar allegation. It It was a pretty shocking experience. Yeah, it was. So uh, at that point, who did you sort of approach first? Was it was it Elizabeth, Cassandra, Christie? Who was it that you sort of made it the overture to to start documenting their story? Actually, all four, um, because okay. in order to get into the prison system, and they had already been in for ten plus years by the time I come around, and um, so all of them. I mean, I exchanged letters with each of them, each of them, and. You know, the first person I interviewed, though, was Anna Vasquez. And if you've seen the film, she opens the film and really drives, who's, of course, joining us now, but who drives the narrative of the film. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a chilling experience being in the prison and seeing um, what they had endured. Anna, you've already been in jail, as uh, as Deborah mentioned, for 10 years. When you were approached by her, what was what were you what was going through your mind uh, in terms of just. Why was she there, or what was going on? Uh, you know, not so much why was she there, but, you know, I was a little skeptical. Um, having to deal with the media back in, you know, the 90s when the when the charges first came at, and up to, you know, our conviction, 
the media portrayed us as, you know, these horrible child molesters that preyed upon these two innocent victims. And, it, you know, it was drug-fueled and, you know, just the worst kind of attention that we could get. They gave it to us. Yeah. So, you know... I was skeptical when uh, first learning about Debbie and her interested in doing a documentary. But then, you know, speaking to her on a, you know, personal level and um, her sharing her personal struggles and experiences, you know, it just, it, it, it quickly formed a bond between us. Mm-hmm. And it was more than a director subject kind of relationship. It was more a friendship, maybe a sisterhood. You know, now I consider, you know, Debbie just a part of my family as my, you know, biological family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously in the film, uh, the, your trial and hearing some of the testimony and some of the just sort of the let's let's frame it. Let's go. Let me step back a half a step here. This occurred in the mid 1990s uh, around that era at a time when here in California there was the. McMartin case was still, you know, kind of underwear. I think it was still on trial. There was a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff going around about the satanic, the cults and the satanic panic and kind of this, all this kind of uh, mythology growing up around, but around children and preschool and schools, all kinds of stuff was going on. And it's in that environment that when this happened, this case occurred. Um, Deborah, do you were, you were, were you old enough to remember when all that kind of stuff was underway and going on? I mean, oh must, yeah, must you know, been. the four women and I are exactly the same ages. You know, we just sort of share that generation with the same generation. We are all born and raised in Texas. I was born and raised in Houston. Um, and at the times that they're indicted, which are the you know mid nineties, I'm graduating high school, and I'm also you know, really seeing sort of the, the threads of this mythology that you're describing. Um, you know, in Texas, we used to get these pamphlets in school that would say, you know, be careful um, of, of the Satanists lurking in your neighborhood. Yeah. I know that churches around where I lived would have meetings, like, you know, parent, parent-teacher conferences about it. So it was very much alive and well. And, you know, of course, back then, it would have been hard for me as a teenager to parse through you know, the realities of this hysteria, right? Because that we see that kind of cultural hysteria with 2020 hindsight. But, you know, I mean, it would have been so shocking to have imagined that a jury, for example, you know, would have been so swept up with this too. And we saw that in hundreds of cases. It wasn't just this case. And like you said, it begins with the McMartin trials. By the time the San Antonio Ford case happens, it's sort of the tail end of this hysteria, but still there were fallouts. And um, yeah, and the San Antonio four were victims of that era. It was really, it really was an era. Yeah, as you said, looking back on it, and with all due respect, I don't mean this to be facetious or facile about it, but it almost looks comical at this point to look back on some of the things that were being taken seriously. But it was serious, and unfortunately, the consequences for 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 the four uh, were were dire. Um, uh, who was uh, which one was convicted of thirty seven years? Was that uh, um, that was Liz? That was Liz. Yes, Un- Elizabeth. Uh, unbelievable. Un- I mean, just unfathomable. Um, and well, I'm what, I just I, I don't even know what to say. I don't have a question here. I just you know reflecting back on the these the this sort of mass hysteria. 
I'll ask you, yeah, Anna. And go, you, ahead. go ahead. Can I? Yeah, please. Oh, I was just going to comment on the kind of audacity of that sentence. Now, one of the things, you know, we talk about in the film was the challenge that the, the defense attorneys had in finding jurors who weren't actually admitting that they were homophobic. Yeah, so a few of go. the members of the jurors who sat on Liz's jury admitted during Wadair, during jury selection, that they were homophobic and that they do, you know, that they, they would have trouble being unbiased. And what was so prescient in that in this case, it's just this extraordinary moment when the juror who is actually gay, and this is all in the trial transcript, comes forward and says, I am a gay man, I'm also a therapist, and what you're not talking about here and what I'm seeing play out in this courtroom before it even begins, before the trial even begins, is this belief that gay individuals are more predisposed to harming children, which we know is a pernicious and very deep-seated mythology. Right. There's no evidence of that whatsoever, but this belief was playing out in this case and in other cases like it where other individuals who were suspected of being gay, who were, had whispers of being in the closet, um, who were gay, were dealing with this very, these very kinds of allegations. Well, and I'll take it a half a step further than that. The, the equation of being gay with being a, 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 involved in a criminal act was in, uh, inexorably linked at that. I mean, yes. uh, that, that was, they were the, I mean to, be, to be involved in pedophilia and to be gay was, well... You know, hey, yes. I mean, you know, I, I mean, it's just, it's astounding. But but right. uh, but it, it, in some ways, some ways from a lot of the country, a lot of people, it is it is as outrageous as it sounds today uh, that it should sound out, out, outrageous. And I, 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 I think there is something to, to that. I don't know how how the culture has changed in all parts of the country, but it does seem like they're not doing that. That's just not you can't get away right. with doing that anymore. But. Right. You're totally right. And there was a time in, you know, just before the 80s, Lawrence versus the state of Texas, where they had the sodomy law. That's right. And those were overturned. But I think a lot of people didn't realize that. And even the judge, even the judge in the San Antonio 4 case, years later, we're talking about recently when the San Antonio 4 are facing their evidentiary hearings. You see this in the film. You can tell he is working through his own feelings about whether or not it is illegal to be gay. It's, it's a pretty extraordinary and stunning experience to watch what plays out in their case. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't want to go. And I want to ask you some, uh, some question, but I, I don't want to go too far down the road of getting into too much detail about Southwest of Salem, the story of the San Antonio Four, because I want people to go see this film. Uh, <laughs> and so but but I think it's safe to say that, Anna, we're speaking to you and you're not in prison. Uh, so we know that there was some justice done. Um, I want to ask you just sort of a, how are you doing? How are you uh, in certain terms of you know, moving forward in your life or the things that you find that are important to you? How, where are you at right now? Well, you know, Mike, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm blessed. We're, we're all blessed for being out of prison and able to continue our fight for exoneration right. outside of the bars, you know, outside of the prison system. But you know, we still have a lot of things over, you know, over our head. It's it's not as simple as, you know, we can start planning for the future or right, right. any of that. You know, what normal people would do um, to live life, to look forward to, to have something to look forward to. And it's really difficult to do that. You know, um, I'm working. I, I take care of my elderly mother. You know, she took care of me for many years, 
you know, I'm in a, a, a loving relationship right now, and, you know, things are good, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, downplay that, but at the same time, I do need people to know that this is far from over. Yeah. And the way that I cope with it, I, I think it's, um, you know, I just take things day by day. Yeah. I um, stay realistic, you know, and I still have the thought that this may, you know, fall apart and we may go back to prison. You know, we're very hopeful. We got, you know, a lot of good people behind us, organizations, a wonderful attorney and the Innocence Project of Texas, you know, a great film that is, um, you know, by far I could not have, you know, ever hoped for a better film being made about our story. And, um, you know, so there's plenty of things that I'm very grateful for. But, but at the still same have. time, we're still in limbo. Right. Well, right, okay, I, I want to sort of gingerly walk down that path a little bit. Obviously, you, you were all released from prison. You had a, a hearing before the the same the original trial judge, as you described, Deborah. I find that to be, I don't know if that's appropriate or not. I, I mean, because he has, there's a personal investment on his part to not look foolish, at very mm-hmm. least, yeah. if not unjust. So I don't know why that I don't know why that happened. I, I don't understand. You're absolutely quite. right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually, um, the system is designed that way. That's the way it's designed also in federal court. So, you know, we really do, um, I think, in the, in, the, in the act of watching the film, ask some fundamental questions about conflicts of interest. And one, for example, is why is the same judge that oversaw their original trials, why is he the sitting judge 20 years later? And, you know, would he be so courageous, so extraordinary, extraordinary of a person to say, I messed up and I let these women go to jail for, for no reason, or to prison, not jail, to prison for no reason. So I feel like, you know, yes, that is a massive question we should be asking. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I do think the larger question, and I, and I feel like I say this all the time, but I really mean it, you know, I think it's important to ask, you know, why did we create the justice system in the first place? Because I'm finding it really hard to find the justice in it, you know, like especially lately with all that we're seeing in terms of, you know, the arms of this big, massive system. Yeah. We're just seeing so many reasons why we're doubting that there's any justice actually being done. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of a larger question that we play with. I, I couldn't agree more. I, uh, you know, documentary after documentary I see on the criminal justice system is infuriating, angering, and it and it and it just continues to point to a system that is not about justice. It is about incarceration. It's about it's not about rehabilitation. It's about punishment. There are so many things. And who is that punishment and incarceration directed at? It's the people at the margins of society, the people who are considered expendable. It's all kinds of things. It feels more like crowd control than it does feel like a ju- absolutely. Uh, and yeah, well, I, I again, uh, you're a, so the appeal is still ongoing, Anna. It's, it's, so that's what I'm hearing, right? Your this thing is still not res- obviously not resolved yet. Yes, that's <sighs> correct. That's correct. Our our case is sitting um, in the court of criminal appeals in Austin. And it's going before nine judges. Oh. And basically there is, you know, no time limit. There is no time frame that they have to, you know, make a decision within a month or, you know, anything like that. And, you know, it could be next week that they come down with an answer. It could be years from now or, you know, they can just simply not even look at it at all. 
Right. Well, I, I'm I'm unfortunately running uh, short on time. Are you in town? I know it's opening today at the Lemley Music Hall here in Los Angeles. Uh, there's also other theaters. It's opening up around the country, but here in Los Angeles, uh, it's at the Lemley Music Hall. Are either one of you in town for the uh, for the opening here? We we no. are. We actually were just there. Um, you know, doing some pre screenings, advanced screenings. But we really hope people join us you know, at the music hall to watch what I think is an extraordinarily, you know, extraordinary tale of four incredibly brave women, but also a conversation starter that we need to be having about how we can change this, this system. Amen. Well, so what screenings are you at the, at Lemley Music Hall? That's in, uh, it's on Wilshire Boulevard. Check it out. It's great theater. Um, Where, which screenings are you there for? Well, we won't be there. Unfortunately, we're calling oh. in from Texas, so okay. we 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 were just there, you know, oh, for the, this, this past week doing some pre-screenings and, gotcha. and talking to the press. And okay. um, but but yeah, we won't actually be there for the opening, unfortunately. Okay. All right. And and now, if people want to find out more, they they can go to the website, which is southwestofsalem.com, dot com, to find out more. And if is there a way for people to sort of chime in to 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 show support? for uh, the San Antonio Four? Is there some other, is there a venue for them? Yeah, absolutely. So what we're asking audiences to do right now is join our social media campaign. And what we're trying to do is we're creating this critical mass of audiences who get the information, learn about the case, see the evidence as we show you right before your eyes, the the unfurling of this evidence. And then once the Criminal Court of Appeals makes their decision, we will activate audiences if perchance it doesn't go in the direction we want it to, which is actual exoneration, expunging their records, removing a disgusting title of child sex offenders and, and assault, child sex assault from their records. So we hope people join us. And how to do that is all on our website, southwestofsalem.com. Southwestofsalem.com. Well, my heart and my thoughts are with you, uh, Anna, and everyone else, Christy, Cassandra, and Elizabeth. And, and, and thank you, Deborah, so much for this film. Thank, thank you. The, the film is Southwest of Salem, uh, the story of the San Antonio Forum. We've been speaking with the director, and that would be Deborah Eskenazi, as well as uh, the subject, uh, one of the subjects of the film, Anna Vasquez. And I am so honored that you were able to find time to join me today here on Film School. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.